I'm going to let you guys in on a little secret. Event promoters are like used car salesmen. They'll say anything to get you to sign up. Today we talk about how to drill down to the truth of attendance on 10-minute food truck training. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey... Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, my name is Bill Moore, founder of FoodTruckTraining.group, and welcome to the 10-Minute Food Truck Training Podcast. This is Event Week. Today, we're talking about verifying attendance and the important questions you have to ask promoters. Yesterday, we talked about how many people could possibly eat with you. And remember, we got that number down to about 40 to 61 people an hour. So today, we're going to do some investigation, and we're going to independently verify the information that promoters or the website has said. Could the attendance be exaggerated? Absolutely. Potential attendance is a function of just a couple of factors. One is history. Does the event have a known and verifiable attendance history? Is the event well-liked in your community? Do people look forward to the event? Will the estimated attendance actually fit in that area? Is there enough parking to accommodate that many people? I'll give you a good example. In Destin, Florida, back in the day they used to do, or they still do it, it's it's the Seafood Festival, but back in the day, it used to be held in a very open area that was near where all the fishing boats dock, hence the name Seafood Festival. And there was lots of room to mill around and, and set up tents and, and other little attractions to get people to buy food. Basically, it was a food event, but there were other crafts and that type of thing. The negative the absolute huge negative is there's no parking. There's no parking lot. The The streets are mainly residential all around it, so there's no parking meters, that type of thing. What few parking lots there were were always tied to restaurants or other businesses, so they didn't want people clogging up the parking lot and then walking across the street to where the, the seafood festival was held. So if there's not enough parking, there can't be enough people attending. So think about those kind of space issues when you're looking at an event. Can they actually park enough cars to hold 70,000 people. What the Destin Seafood Festival eventually started doing was running shuttles from places where they had parked. So people would park two, three miles away from the event and they would run a shuttle to get them to the actual event. So you got to think about, is it even possible for the event space to hold the attendance? And if there's really that many people there, where the heck are they parking? Some other factors that impact how many people could be attending would be the marketing reach. So you want to ask the promoter, what's your marketing budget? How's that going to be spent? Are you going to do radio? Are you going to do TV? Is there going to be billboards? Is there going to be internet? Is there going to be social media? What's the expected demographic of the attendees? Does that demographic actually fit in with your food demographic? If you sell hot and overly spicy food and the event's centered on kids, you may or may not have a whole lot of sales. Are the listed sponsors promoting the event on their own websites and social media? Are their posts getting likes and comments? 
Is there excitement being built up around those sponsors saying, hey, yeah, we're going to be there. Or, hey, yeah, we're going to sponsor this event. Active posts with lots of back and forth across different sponsors is a really good sign. But if you go to the event website and it says we're being sponsored by, you know, eight or ten different sponsors, and then you go to each of their websites and each of their social medias, and you don't see them talking about the event, all they're doing is writing a check. They're not promoting the event to get their own people that follow them, their own customers and their own clients to go to that event. So if they're not trying to actively get people to go to the event, who's actually going to be attending? What's the main draw? What's going to motivate people to attend? If you've got a popular singer or tons of games and rides, lots of arts and crafts, exotic animals, comedy teams, comedy routines, what is going to make people want to be there? And then does your food have popularity among the people that would be liking those kind of things? If you're setting up in front of an opera house, for instance, and you sell cotton candy, you might not get a whole lot of sales. So you want to make sure that your food makes sense for the kind of people that are going to be showing up to an event. If the event is a craft or ride-driven event, they will be busier on Saturdays than Sundays. And that's in most areas. The idea for you is to know when people plan to attend so you can prepare properly. You want to try, if at all possible, to set up a meeting with a promoter or at least a phone call. The best case for you as a vendor is to protect your profit and your income is to get that meeting. And then you want to ask them, how will the event market itself? This is an extremely important question. Again, radio, billboards, TV, social media, what kind of websites do they have? What press releases are they doing? Any event worth your consideration has to have a substantial budget and a proven history of advertising. They can't just say, yeah, we're spending $10,000 on marketing and you can't see it around the town. And here's a pro tip. You will only be as busy as the marketing reach of the event. If they don't reach a whole bunch of people, you're not going to be busy. Is the menu going to be normal or is it going to be restricted? As I have mentioned before, drinks is a super popular restriction. If Pepsi is there, it's only going to be Pepsi-driven products. And they could drill that all the way down to you can't sell lemonade, you can't sell iced tea unless it's their bottled products. So make sure you understand what you're getting yourself into. You need to think about things like water and sewer connections. Are they going to be nearby? How are you going to empty your wastewater? How are you going to refill your fresh water? Especially on a multi, multiple day event. Is there going to be ice on site? Do you have to bring your own ice? You may use coolers to help keep your drinks cold so they're not, being, not taking up space in your cooler or your refrigerator. So you, you got to know the, the support is available for your business. What's the position of the vendors throughout the event grounds? Are they going to be grouped together in, in like a food court style setting or are they going to be scattered around the venue? Who's responsible for the trash removal? Where are the dumpsters located in relation to your setup? If you have to walk several thousand feet to throw your trash away, you need to consider that time lag when you have to go into your trash. Because I can guarantee you a busy event, you'll fill up a trash can pretty quick. And you got to know who's responsible for that. Is it the event themselves or is it you and your employees? You want to know the locations of porta-potties. There will always be someone asking you, hey, do you know where the nearest bathroom is? So you need to know. And you also need to know where that is in relationship to where they're making you set up. You don't want to be near them. It's just one negative thing that you just don't want to have to deal with. And then besides those questions out of the promoter, you need to consider whether it doesn't cooperate, whether impacts you as a food vendor more than it will impact other uh, vendors that are there. 
Heat and rain and lightning and hurricanes, extreme cold, snow, all impact events. Some of them will get canceled. Some of them will get postponed. And you need to understand what the refund policies are considering uh, something getting postponed. When will you get your money back? How long does it take for them to pay you back? Or will they just reschedule for another weekend and your money is never refunded? It's up to you to decide to attend that new schedule or not. And along those lines, you can consider event or income stabilization insurance. That's an insurance that's available for certain types of events. And it's worth exploring if you're spending a whole bunch of money as an entry fee. Then you got to consider what happens when more vendors show up than the application indicator we're going to be there, or that you have more direct competition than the restrictions say. If it says only two burger sellers and you're one of them, and you find out that there's eight other burger sellers, what happens when those kind of things, what recourse do you have when that happens? Do you get some of your entry feedback? Do you get something to make you whole from the event not adhering to their own policies? So you want to ask a lot of what-if questions. What if somebody selling hot dogs is not allowed to? What if somebody selling burgers that's not allowed to? What happens if somebody selling Coke during this Pepsi event? And then be prepared to walk away if they don't give you satisfying answers. You want to know that if there's only going to be two hamburger or two hot dogs, that the event promoter will go prevent the other person from selling it or just kick them completely out of the event. You want the contract to be enforced. We want to look at the newspapers. We want to look at social media posts. We want to look at past historical records, photographs, people that hashtag a photograph so you know it's not associated with the event itself. You want to look at those kind of things and see if place will be as busy as they claim it will be. You want to think about if the marketing budget makes sense. And then you want to make sure that there's evidence, again, of the billboards and radio and TV and all those kind of things being done throughout the community. What can you reasonably expect in sales? We're going to talk about that tomorrow. And then we're also going to talk about getting past the biggest limitation to your own profit. If you're enjoying our chats, please consider supporting the podcast by clicking the support button. Every little bit does help. If you'd rather just do a one-time donation, I have a link in the description for that as well. If you need more information or just like the camaraderie of like-minded positive people, join our group on Facebook. It's called Food Truck Training, and the link will be in the description for that as well. Thank you guys so much for listening and stay profitable, my friends.